0: Good morning, morning. he is risen this morning, and if you were with us on Friday night for our Good Friday service, we we talked about, as Pastor Joel mentioned, who is Jesus and what, what makes Good Friday so good, and we talked about how John the Baptist saw Jesus for who he was when John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the... World. Okay, come on. Get, yeah. So behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And, and we learned that ultimately the cross paid the price for the guilty to become innocent. That each and every one of us are guilty before God because of sin, but the cross paid the price so that we can be brought back to God and so that we could live in relationship with him. Maybe you know this story or maybe you don't know the story uh, of what happened after Good Friday. And and, uh, this morning, here's what I have learned is that I never want to assume that we all know the story or we have read the story in full. Jesus was placed in a tomb on Friday afternoon, early Friday evening before the Shabbat, the Sabbath started on Friday night at sundown. And Jesus was put inside of a tomb, and there was a stone that was placed in front of the tomb, and the Bible tells us that Roman guards were placed at the tomb because they thought that Jesus was going to be taken, his body would be taken. But the Bible tells us that early on the first day of the week, Sunday morning, by the way, that was their first work day of the week. They were getting ready to go back to work. It wasn't church day, it was work day. And early on the first day of the week, they go back, the women go to the tomb that was borrowed, not permanent, and they look inside and Jesus isn't there. And the Bible says that, Two angels appeared to them, two men, and they were glowing. And those angels asked them a question. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is risen. And they're amazed. And the angels say, well, he's not here. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, growing up, I had a bit of an inquiring mind. I like to ask questions. I can remember my aunt telling stories when we would go camping. I was the one that was like, Daddy, Daddy, Mom, when are we going canoeing? Daddy, when are we going swimming? Daddy, I want to go fishing. Can we go fishing? Can we go? Yeah, always just got to go, 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 go. And an inquiring mind, when they read that story, he's not here, he's risen. Well, then where is he? If he is risen and he has risen from the dead, then where is Jesus? Where could he be? Well, obviously, in my, in my mind, in our minds, if we just read the story as it is, we may think, well, you know, obviously, he is going back to Jerusalem. That's what he's doing. He is definitely about to go to every single one of those people who were yelling, crucify him, crucify him. And he's going to go to them, and he's going to show each and every single one of them, hey, I'm alive, guys. What's up? What happened? Or maybe, I tell you what, maybe Jesus, since he's not in the tomb, he's not here. Where is he? I bet he's working with his PR person. And they're about to start a resurrection rally coming to a city near you, right? He's going to pack out stadiums. They're going to have crusades. He's going to get his jacket pressed. woo, And then he's going to get some socks that will match his tie and the little handkerchief at the top. Jesus, the risen Savior, coming near you. No, that's not what he's doing. So what is Jesus doing on the day he defeats death? What does he do? Where does he go? I wanna read it this morning from the account of Luke. Luke chapter 24, verse 13. Luke tells us this. He says, now that same day, the same day, The first day of the week, Jesus resurrects from the dead. Two of them, them being disciples or followers of Jesus Christ. Now, these aren't the original 12 followers of Jesus Christ. These were a part of the disciples and followers that began to follow Jesus throughout his three and a half years of ministry. Two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. About seven miles, and then I added a note that's 11 kilometers for us South Africans from Jerusalem. I intend to write a strong worded email to the NIV editors and tell them I want kilometers in the Bible, <laughs> not just miles. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along. With them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, or they stopped, their faces downcast, and one of them named Cleopas. All right, so we have one guy's name, Cleopas, asked Jesus, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? Jesus asks. (laughs) Hilarious. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. So on the day that Jesus defeats death, we don't find him yet in Jerusalem. We don't find him going and showing himself to the most important people of the day. We find him taking a walk to Emmaus. Emmaus was the opposite direction of Jerusalem. The important place with all the important people, Jesus resurrected King of Kings and Lord of Lords is walking the opposite way from Jerusalem to Emmaus. You know, if you lived in 33 AD and you opened up Google Maps, you would have to zoom in a lot to find Emmaus. Emmaus was a tiny, tiny village that was so insignificant, we can't even find archaeological remains of the little village because it was so small. It did not matter to the people at Jerusalem, the important people, the powerful people. But it mattered to Jesus for some reason. It was a seemingly insignificant place with some insignificant people. I mean, he's taking a walk with two people, Cleopas and Mystery Man. We don't even know the other guy's name. Or it could have been Mrs. Cleopas. That's possible. Mr. and Mrs. Cleo. We don't know. (laughs) Seemingly insignificant people walking towards a seemingly insignificant place. Why does Jesus do that? Why is he going towards this place? Because something that we must remember all throughout Scripture that we learn about Jesus Christ is that Jesus Christ pursues the seemingly insignificant. Can I tell you, you may be here this morning and you feel insignificant. You feel like no one loves you, no one cares about you, no one knows what's going on in your life, but Jesus is here today. And just like he took a journey with Cleo and Mrs. Cleo, he's walking in these aisles today and he wants to insert himself into your life this morning. You may feel like, man, no one knows, no one sees, no one cares. Does anybody even realize what's going on? And the answer is yes, Jesus Christ knows. It's why we continually say as a church, we will minister and love forgotten people in forgotten places. Emmaus is a forgotten place. Mr. and Mrs. Cleo, we don't even know. Where are they at? Jesus pursues the seemingly insignificant. He's pursuing you this morning. He's here today. Jesus takes this journey and he's, he's, he's walking along the road to Emmaus. And I love this story because for some reason, uh, there, Jesus, it says, just like walks up and starts walking with them. Not saying anything. <laughs> he just inserts himself into their journey. That's what he does. And for some reason, they are kept from recognizing that it's Jesus Christ. We don't know what it was that kept them. I mean, it could have been their grief and their mourning. I mean, you think about it. They have just watched Jesus Christ, the one that they thought was gonna redeem Israel and set up national Israel again, all of their hopes and dreams dead and gone. They're kept from recognizing Jesus And I love this story that they're walking along, and then all of a sudden, Jesus asks them a question. I'm going to teach you a word this morning. It's a very spiritual word. Y'all ready? Chal. Everybody say it with me. Chal. There you go. It's actually a very Southern United States word. Okay, it's two words put together. I know for some of us, like if you're like me, you grew up reading the King James Bible and we see questions, you know, we read it and we're like, oh, the question of Jesus, what art thou talking about? You know, like that's what we hear. But when I read the Bible, for some reason, I see Jesus poking his head in like a preteen. What y'all talking about? Y'all, what y'all talking about? (laughs) Jesus just inserts himself into the conversation and asks them, what are you talking about? Isn't it so funny? He is the resurrected presence of God right in front of them. And he says, what y'all talking about? What's going on? Cleopas He is the one that's smart. He goes on to explain to Jesus, the son of God, how Jesus was crucified and put away in a tomb. He was crucified. He was crucified. In verse 21, Mr. Cleo says, but we had hoped. We had hoped. He was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They, they went to the tomb early this morning, and, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. We had hoped. So what do we do when our hopes don't align with our reality? What do we do in life when our hopes, the things that you and I hope for, do not align with what we see right in front of us? You see, most of the Jewish people of Jesus' day, even some of his followers, a lot of his followers actually, they expected a Messiah that, would, that was going to be a king, an earthly king, in a military powerhouse. That's what they expected. Their hope was that he would reestablish Israel as an independent nation and that he would oust the oppressor, the Roman government. That was their hope. But Jesus, however, he did not meet their expectations, especially when he was executed by the Romans on a cross. All of their expectations, all of their hopes were crucified on a cross. All of their hopes were gone, and the only thing they had to look forward to was a decaying body of the one that they thought was the Son of God. No hope. They were scared. They were disappointed and they were confused. And you think about some of them like Peter. They were ashamed. Because big Peter said, man, Jesus, I, man, I will never deny you. We are, we, we're boys. Me and you, Jesus. I, There's no way, man, I will get the sword and you just let them come at me. See what happens. <laughs> Peter was packing all the time. I believe it. He was hood. You didn't mess with Peter. Let him come at me. I love that show, The Chosen, because it portrays Peter as this kind of short, stocky guy, you know? Like, <laughs> he would, little Peter, you know? and <laughs> He's like, man, don't play with me. You don't play with short people. I've learned that. Short, skinny people, don't play with them because we got little people syndromes. So. They wiry and Crazy. Peter was crazy. He cut a dude's ear off in a garden. Big bad Peter, when he was asked, you know Jesus. I, you were with, No man, there's no way that that wasn't me. When the pressure was on, Peter said, Nope, not me. Imagine that Friday night and that Saturday for Peter. Imagine the shame that he felt i'm sure just like adam and eve he went and hid behind the bush because he did not want to be seen because he was resting in his shame we had hoped their hope was murdered and it was placed in a tomb we had hoped have you ever hoped for things and they didn't come to pass Well, I had hoped that the relationships in my life would look different by now. I I had hoped that my kids, my parents, my, my family members would be serving Jesus Christ by this time. I had hoped that when I was baptized and I started attending church regularly, that all of my addictions would just go away. Come on, somebody. Don't get too holy on me. I had hoped that, that, that when my business, when I stepped out in faith, that everything was going to be perfect and it was all going to be easy and grand. And, I had hoped. I had hoped. I had hoped that when I began to faithfully give of my finances and of my time, that all of my financial troubles would just be gone. I had hoped I had hoped, I had hoped, but my reality, what's in front of me, what I see, what I face, it does not match my hope. These guys said, or Mr. and Mrs. Cleo said, we had hoped. Jesus' response to, to them on the road to Emmaus, it will help us to see what do we do when our hope doesn't match our reality. Stick with me this morning, Luke chapter 24, verse 25. He, being Jesus, says to them, how foolish you are. I don't know if Jesus ever talked to you like that, but he talks to me sometimes like that. (laughs) What were you thinking, Aaron? (laughs) And how slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Look at this. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Imagine the walk that day, 11 kilometers or so. I mean, that takes a long time, I'm sure. I've never walked that much, to be honest with you, at one time. (laughs) 11 Ks, they are walking with Jesus, and Jesus from memory somehow, because he is the word, he gives them all the way from Genesis, all the way through the Psalms and the prophets, he shows them, guys, it all points to me. I could imagine him going to Numbers chapter 21. Let's read it for a moment so we can put ourselves there. Jesus telling them, guys, do you remember when the Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole? Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. Guys, that wasn't just some weird, creepy thing that they had to put a snake on a pole. So Moses made a bronze snake and he put it on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. I can imagine Jesus, guys, that right there points to me. Do you remember I told you that unless I was lifted up, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, that I also would be lifted up? It was pointing to me. I can imagine he got to Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel imagine jesus saying guys do you remember the stories about my mom (laughs) they weren't very nice she wasn't married yet and she got pregnant do you remember all the talk of the town and everything that was all about me i could imagine when he got to isaiah chapter 53 he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground 700 years before Jesus ever came to the earth, this was written. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. I was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering, and I was familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, I was despised and you held me in low esteem. Do you imagine as he walks with them and says, surely I took up your pain and I bore your suffering. Yet you considered me punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But I was pierced for your transgressions. Guys, you see this right here? He's walking with them on the road, and he says, that was talking about me. I was pierced for your transgressions. I was crushed for your iniquities. And the punishment that brought you peace was on me. And by my wounds, this right here in my side, these nail scars in my feet, these imprints in my brow from the crown of thorns, by my wounds, you are healed. He walked with them that day, and he pointed them in the Scripture. So what was Jesus doing? He was realigning their hopes with the truth of the Scriptures. What do we do when our life doesn't match our reality? What do we do when our hopes don't match with what we see in front of us? We align our hope with the risen King Jesus found throughout the Scriptures. We realign our hope with the risen King Jesus that is found throughout the Scriptures. Can I encourage you, realign your hope this morning. Anchor your hope in the truth of God's Word. Listen, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to be able to open and just read the Word of God to you on a daily basis. You see, when I get in his word, he tells me that I belong to him. I realign what I see, even though everyone else may push me aside, even though my dad left when I was seven years old and I was trying to find hope and acceptance my entire life. I opened up the word and I realized, you know what? He says, I am his son no matter what, and he'll never leave me and he'll never forsake me open up the scripture and we realign our hope we see that we are more than conquerors through jesus christ amen Amen. we're more than conquerors we see that he works out all things according to my good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose it's in his scripture i see that in my weakness then he is strong I see that when I am weak, he gives me strength because then it makes me and you you and I depend on Christ even more. When I don't have all the answers and when you don't have all of the answers. When we're weak, Paul says, then we can be strong because we're relying on Christ. You can trust when you get in these scriptures and you you realign your hope with Jesus Christ, which is revealed right here. You can trust, like Paul tells us, that this present suffering is a light and it is a momentary affliction. When we compare it to the eternal weight of glory that is coming for us as followers of Jesus Christ. What I see right now, the reality in front of me, everything, all of the tragedy, it is a light and it's momentary compared to the eternal weight of glory that is to come. We align our hopes with the truth of Scripture. See, when I get in the Scriptures, I realize in Romans chapter 8 that the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead now lives in me. The same Spirit that breathed life back into the Son of God is now in you as a believer and follower of Jesus Christ. That's powerful. There's hope in that. Guys, our hope is a living hope. It's not a dead hope. It's not a hope that's anchored in just a mere person. It is a hope that is anchored in the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And it's found all throughout Scripture. Throughout the scriptures, there's a common theme. Pastor Randy talks about it a lot, how there's this thread that is woven throughout the Bible and it's a thread of the gospel grace of Jesus Christ. It all points to him. What do we we align our hopes with when our reality is different? Well, we search the scriptures and we find truth. Listen, and we allow God's word to speak to us did you know that this is the primary place where God wants to speak to you? It's not the latest apostle or prophet or podcast or Pastor Aaron message. This right here is the primary place that God will speak to you. He wants to speak to you through his word. He wants to remind you of things. I used to be the person that I felt so bad because growing up, you had to get up at, you know, 3.35 in the morning and spend four hours praying and two and a half hours reading your Bible. And I'm too ADD. I'm like, man, I can't do that. I'm like, <laughs> I read two verses and I'm like, all right, coffee time. Uh, what am I doing now? What's my day? You know, like, ah, I can't so what do I do? I, can I encourage you, if, that's, if you're finding yourself bored reading God's Word, start with just one verse. Read a whole chapter, but then chew on a verse for weeks. Read it slowly. Digest the Word of God slowly. If I have a big old fillet set in front of me with a baked potato, with butter and sour cream and cheese, praise be to God, I am not... Woo, Easter lunch is coming. I am not. What time is it? Oh, we're good. (laughs) My belly. (laughs) I'm not going to scarf it down and and leave half of it. No, no. Man, I'm going to savor every bite. And if that's what physical food does for us, how much more should we spend time in the spiritual food of God's word? marinate yourself in this word align your hopes with king jesus and he is found all throughout these scriptures align your hopes with him jesus continues on with this journey this walk to emmaus the small village that we can't find we have no idea where it is he continues on with his walk with Cleopas and mystery man or Mr. and Mrs. Cleo, Jesus goes into their home with them. It, it becomes evening time and, and they invite Jesus in. They're, they get all the way to their home and, and they say, you got to come. You got to stay with us, man, because he, he has been, the Bible will tell us in just a moment that, that as he is opening the scriptures to them, they say that their hearts were burning inside of them burning inside of them so they ask him please stay with us man come have a meal with us they invited him him in verse 30 says this when he was at the table with them he took bread he gave thanks he broke it and he began to give it to them then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and he opened the scriptures to us? They got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem all the way back, 11 Ks. Woo. I don't know, Mrs. Cleo might have been like, can we just go tomorrow? Like, I mean, it's, we're already home. I don't know got up and there they found the 11 and those with them, the original, the 11 disciples assembled together. And they said, it is true. The Lord has risen and he has appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. They run all the way back to Jerusalem 11Ks to tell the other disciples that, hey, we have just been with the resurrected king. Their hope was restored. How? Did Jesus set up a military force to overthrow Rome? No. Did Jesus set up an earthly throne in Jerusalem? No, he did not. You see, their hope is resurrected when they realize that they have been with the resurrection and that he was sending them out to tell them the story of resurrection. Their hope is restored. Can I tell you this morning, we have to align our hope with the risen King, Jesus Christ, and live out his story of resurrection. God is calling you and I now. He's pursuing every single one of us. If you're not a follower of Jesus today, he is pursuing you right now. He loves you. And he is saying, give your life to me and live in resurrection power. But not only are you gonna live in resurrection power, but you're gonna go out and you're gonna tell the story of resurrection power. You see, guys, there's no other hope in this life or the next. There's no other hope. I can't put my hope in my money or your money or our money because it could be gone tomorrow. There's no other hope. The next politician is not going to be our hope. The next king of the world is not our hope. It is only the resurrected one, Jesus Christ, who defeated death and the grave for us. We must realign ourselves and align our hope with him today i love it that the same spirit that raised jesus christ from the dead paul says can now give life to your mortal bodies in other words he will live inside of you the spirit of god the holy spirit as pastor randy taught us a few weeks ago as he was has been teaching us that the holy spirit is god that God himself will make his home right here in us. And he will direct your path. He'll be with you through all of life's challenges. Listen, if you're not a follower of Jesus today, if you haven't committed your life to Christ, I'm not gonna tell you that if you put your hope in him today, that everything is gonna be unicorns and rainbows from this point on. (laughs) You will have challenges. Jesus said that. You're going to have tribulation. You're going to have challenges in this world. But Jesus said, take hope. Why? Because I have overcome the world. The Holy Spirit will come and make his home in you. And he'll be with you through all of life's challenges. He will empower you to tell the story of resurrection and live it out. Our families need to see a story of resurrection power through our life. Umslanga needs to see a story of resurrection power through you. Phoenix needs to see a story of resurrection power through you. Um, Umlazi needs to see a story of resurrection power through you. Kwamashu needs to see the story of resurrection power through you. Uh, Mount Edgecombe needs to see the story. Uh, All around us in Durban, South Africa, they need to see the story of resurrection power through your life. We have it, church. We have living hope live out his story, tell his story. Everyone around us, they need to see a story of resurrection power and living hope. Lord, we pray that you will bless your people as we go. God, give us a wonderful week. God, we thank you that you are our living hope. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Happy Easter Resurrection Sunday to you.